Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jass. My guest today is music industry veteran Steve Jones, and he's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Brand Like a Rock Star. So that ought to get uh, a few of your attention out there. We're, we're, we're going to talk about things that maybe aren't uh, normally talked about in business circles. Um, it, it will, we'll still keep it PG, of course, but uh, <laughs> who knows where we'll go. So Steve, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure, John. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I always love to do this, uh, take apart titles a little bit. And again, I know that publishers a lot of times, you know, spend days and weeks and months on on titles. But I, you know, obviously, if they're going to put those words on there, we ought to define them sometimes. So, uh, I'd love to hear your definition of what a brand is, because I, I've, my experience is, I can ask ten marketing folks and get ten different definitions. Yeah, I know, and I experience that all the time too. And in, in my in my estimation, a brand is an emotional reaction and an emotional connection between the product and the consumer. And uh, it, you know, a lot of people will start with a logo or a color scheme or a positioning statement or a brand promise or a set of brand values. And to me, all those things contribute. But ultimately, what the brand is is what the consumer feels emotionally when they purchase or interact with the product or service that you sell. Yeah, and, and I guess you have to throw in there it's sort of the collective uh, conscious. I mean, obviously, you have – you personally and I personally maybe have uh, our definition of a or, – or our perception of a, a brand, but I think it's sort of the market as a whole that, that forms that sort of overall aggregate brand. Yeah, absolutely. We all uh, – there are PC fans and Mac fans, but, right. you know, Apple strives for a certain feeling, and I think that, that for the most part they – they're successful in that, and I'm sure every brand does that, and every brand hits and misses the target sometimes. But the good brands, the rock star brands, are the ones that, that consistently hit the target and are able to sort of generate a collective consciousness, collective awareness, um, where you and I, for the most part, would share a similar opinion of what you know BMW stands for or what, uh, what, what, what a brand stands for. Yeah. So you do a very good job of, of kind of going chapter by chapter, presenting a couple you know main um, Band, some very well known, some maybe a little lesser known, that that sort of embody an attribute that that I think you want to talk about. But but as a before we get into some of those individual ones, uh, sort of more globally, I mean, does it, what does this industry have to teach? A, you know, a typical small business owner, maybe an attorney or a plumber. I mean, as a yeah. whole, is there something that the industry? That, is there a reason to study the industry as a, you know for for you know clues to how to brand better? Yeah, what I like about the music industry, and I hate the word industry because it really the music industry is sort of falling apart around us, but, well, but the, the yeah. idea of music, you know, the passion that we feel, the emotional connection we feel when, when, you, when you hear songs that played on the radio when you were growing up and the way those songs carry forward through your life and the emotional bond you form with the artists who wrote them or sing them, that's a really powerful thing. And if you look at a Jimmy Buffett or somebody like that or a Kiss, some of these guys who have really, really taken the, the idea of a brand uh, to a new level. Um, there's, there's a lot that you can learn in there. What I like about using the music industry as opposed to using other business examples is it sort of sucks you in in a way that's fun, in a way that, uh, you know, I hope that when people pick up the book, they're able to, to read chapter to chapter and continually sort of be sucked into the stories of, of, of rock and roll and backstage, which will in turn lead to the lessons. I, I find with a lot of business books, as much as I love them, I get a few chapters in, and I sort of get the message of the book, and I have a hard time finishing it. Mm-hmm. So I think the music industry perspective gives, gives, gives it sort of a fresh coat of paint, gives it a new way, a new hook, a new look at it, a new lens 
through which to view the idea of building a brand. Well, and, and I think as human beings, I mean, one of our, you know, while we have lots of uh, hopes and dreams and desires, I, I do know that one of the things we want is to be entertained. I mean, that's why these, uh, the these, you know, like them or not, these television shows, these, you know, the the, the music industry. I mean, that's that's why we get sucked into them, as you said, because uh, we like to be entertained. And I think any business that can actually take that mindset and say, I mean, you know, we're not necessarily going to uh, be in the music business, but how could we, how could we be more entertaining? And I, and I think that to me, that's, that's certainly one of, you know, it, or at least how can I not be so damn boring? Right. I mean, it's, right, right. Uh, how can know. I make people stand up and cheer when I come on stage? How can I make people, yeah. you know, we're not all, we're not all going to be Tom Jones and have, and have elderly women throwing their panties on stage when we, when we do our thing, but how can we make people really, really stand up and applaud or, or, Make them make them want to drop you know some money and come in to see us play live. And if you look at your business that way, I think you, you sort of take a new approach to it. Yeah, and and one of the things though, I wonder if you could address those because obviously some of the some of the examples uh, that that you use for this book as as you know positive examples of attributes, you know, also have some train wreck moments too. And I, and I think that um, you know how does Again, thinking about my audience, a small business owner, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there's some that recoil from the idea that they would that their business would be con- compared in some, you know, manner to the Grateful Dead, you know, for example. I mean, yeah, right? well, I think there's a lot. It's easy to go and take it at face value and say, well, the Grateful Dead in a drug-induced haze did this, or right. Kiss, right. you know, Kiss in sort of, you know, they were they were they were looked at as being the satanic cult of rock bands. Right. You know, I, I think that if you take it uh, verbatim like that, very literally. It, it, it's a bit misleading. The the idea of of a Grateful Dead or a Kiss can be applied in a number of different ways. In fact, one of the strangest consulting moments I had was was when I was approached by a church who was having trouble attracting people to their to their uh, services, and and they used some of the rock and roll examples, some that were very much polar opposite to what sure. you might think a church would be interested in learning about. But you know, the idea of the Grateful Dead and building a tribe could be very much applied to, to a church, which might have a completely different set of, of values than the dead ever did, or the idea of being dramatically different at what you do and standing out. You know, Kiss did it by putting on makeup and blowing things up and spitting blood and breathing fire, but it doesn't have to be that way if you're a plumber or a, or a lawyer or a congregation. You can do things to make yourself dramatically different from everybody else and stand out in the crowd without necessarily... You know, taking it at, at, at sort of literal face value. Well, yeah, I, I, I think any you know deadhead worth their salt would say that the real reason that Grateful Dead meant so much to them is because they clearly cared about the fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a wonderful story. It's 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 sort of cool to look at the Grateful Dead and, and see how uh, they they almost were were a few decades ahead of time when it came to pioneering the idea of social media. I mean, yeah. you know, your podcast is something people can can enjoy without necessarily investing a ton of money in 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 what you do. And and I give away a lot on my blog. And those of us who are doing this are in the business, much like the Grateful Dead were, of giving away our, uh, some of our product and 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 inviting people by giving it away, inviting people to join us on this journey and hopefully buy into what we're talking about. And we we do that with with the hope uh, that they will invest down the road in what we do. And businesses can do that. And you mentioned lawyers and plumbers. There's a lot you can give away. You can give away knowledge and advice. And you can do a lot um, uh, with with absolutely no profit in mind. And when you do that, you, you, you you get what you give. Yeah. Yeah. So how much, you know, some of the examples, and I do want to actually pick a couple of the examples, but, but how much do you believe, 
you know, Jimmy Buffett, Green Day, you know, the Sex Pistols. How much of that was intentional or was it just, hey, we're just going to make good music and we're going to go out there and we're going to just be who we are? I mean, how much of the branding part of that do you believe was intentional? Uh, in some cases, a lot, and in some cases, very little. Uh, and the Sex Pistols are a great example of a brand that was was almost built from the ground up by Malcolm McLaren, who had a very clear vision of what he wanted his punk rock band to look and sound and act like. Right. And, and he put those pieces of the puzzle together and built a brand that made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without really ever having a hit song. Yeah. Um, there are many other cases where I think there's a lot of dumb luck involved. Or, as I would prefer to call it, some accidental magic. You know, you, you did something without even realizing how brilliant it was until after it was done. And I think there's a lot of that. And, again, you go and look at these examples and, and sort of reverse engineer them as opposed to say, yeah. what was Jimmy Buffett thinking when he did this? <laughs> Instead, right. go back and say, well, how would he think about it now, having seen the results of what that decision, you know, what that accomplished? Um, you, you know, the flip side of that is obviously there are some people in the, since you use the dirty word, the music industry, <laughs> um, that the, there are some that have tried to manufacture brands, right? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of some that were somewhat popular for a while. Backstreet Boys would be a great example that, uh -huh. you know, that were completely manufactured um, to, to yeah, some extent I mean, where the music didn't even matter. Um, right. And, and those, you know, those made it to some level of success. I mean, they, they certainly aren't going to end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't think. No, I think bands like that are sort of, you know, um, uh, fads as opposed to trends. Right. They're, the, the, they're the flavor of the moment that sort of goes away. I, I've done a series of blog posts on the idea of singing an anthem versus singing a song yeah. and looking at a Backstreet Boys or a Britney Spears or an artist like that who sings songs, and songs are great. Songs get stuck in your head, and they're fun, and they remind you of good times, and you hear them years later and kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember that, or it was a one-hit wonder. Right. But anthems are, you know, what Bruce Springsteen sings. When you go to a show and you have to, you almost have to stand at attention and take off your hat and, and sort of, you know, uh, stand up and pay attention to this song. And Bob Dylan sings those kind of songs. And there are plenty of artists beyond those, those two who sing sort of anthemic music that force you to pay attention. And there's nothing wrong with songs, but I think they do tend to create artists who come and go. And if you're manufacturing a brand without a sense of honesty, if it's not really built on any certain pillar, any certain set of values, uh, it's not long before people start to see through it and stop paying attention to it. Yeah, and I think that's the real point I was trying to make, is that, that you can't look at one of these attributes and say, oh, we're going to be the business that is fun or that surprises every I mean, you've, you've got to live that stuff. You can't just meet one time and say, or, you know, here's, here's what our brand is. Right. Uh, yeah. Bob Marley is a great example of an yeah. artist who right. made music that was directly connected to his, you know, deep religious beliefs. And whether you agree or disagree with, you know, the Rastafarian movement, he was the face of it, and his music reflected that, and never changed, never compromised yeah. in yeah. order to be popular. And as a result, he became, you know, uh, one of the top-selling musicians of, of his era. And there are a lot of examples of artists like that who... Who, uh, who started out with just an idea, a principle, a set of values. And there's a lot of examples of brands who did. And Starbucks, yeah. you know, beginning with the idea of creating a richer coffee experience, didn't even serve coffee in their first restaurants. They, they, they opened up as a, as a coffee shop where you could buy coffee. And only over time did they actually start to serve coffee and serve tea and expand into almost every other kind of drink. But they always did that with the same vision in mind, the same idea that coffee could be a richer experience. And they continue to offer that yeah. same value set, even though what they do day to day has evolved and changed. You, you know, and I, I find, uh, of course, you've, you know, you, you've 
tapped on some great examples, but there are some, you know, what I find kind of interesting are some of the uh, the way lesser known. Uh, in this case, bands that or artists that but that also though have these just rabid followings. It may be small in number, but you know if you want to get a Radiohead uh, yeah. ticket, you know, or something, you know, to yeah. a concert, you know, good luck. Um, yeah, or but, even I mean, smaller bands than that. There yeah. are bands who are extremely popular on local or regional levels, right. or who have done a great job using social media. There's a band called Moon Alice yeah. that sort of exists in the. Uh, in the, in the Grateful Dead mode, and they've pioneered, you know, the idea of doing almost Twitter concerts where you can hear their songs moments after they've been played on stage, and they've really involved their fans, and the band will never have a hit song. Yeah. But trying to get a ticket to see them can be tough because wherever they play, they, they continue to sell out. There's a lot of great examples in sort of the long-tail economy of, of bands who have done that. Uh, I'll throw one out for you that because you're in the industry, I'm sure you're probably familiar, but my listeners won't. Uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. You know what? You stumped me on that. <laughs> go, go look them up and try to get it. They, 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 they have been around for 25 years, and they about every 10 years decide to play a couple shows. And uh, you know, tickets go f- they, because they play in a club, and tickets go for two thousand um, dollars. But, great. but I, you know, I think that that you know, so so a lot of times people think, well, I'm not you know ACDC or I'm not trying to build a brand like Jimmy Buffett. But I mean, I think there's some great examples in uh, in you know what really makes people so committed to these brands. You know, even for somebody that wants to stay, you know, on a smaller scale. Yeah, I, I, and there's some examples in the book of, yeah. of, of local local brands. I, I use one from Boston where I lived for a while of, of Regina's Pizza, a local mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New England chain that has, you know, become iconic in that area. They, they don't expand beyond that area, but they've done things uh, to establish themselves as a very clear, small, local brand. And I think branding is even more important than to, to a small business than it necessarily it, I shouldn't say more important. It's it's almost more doable to a yeah, small business yeah, yeah. because if you buy into the idea of an emotional connection, trying to create that in a neighborhood or in a in a in a, in a community or in a city or a state, it's a lot easier than trying to create that in a country or a continent or around the world. And trying to bite off, you know, Apple's uh, sort of worldwide perspective is crazy. But if you start in your own neighborhood and start to build up. Uh, a following within your neighborhood. If you start to create an expectation among people in your community that a certain good set of things happen when they're, they use your product, um, you know that that can that can be really powerful on a local level. Well, and, and I think that uh, the tough thing for a local business, I totally agree with what the, that that last statement. But I think the the tough thing for businesses on a local level is they actually have to embrace some of these attributes you talk about. And sometimes they're scary, like different beats better. Um, you know, for a lot of small business owners, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. For a lot of small business owners, that's scary. I, I want to be, you know, well, if I'm different, there'll be some people that don't want what I have. Right. And it's a beautiful thing to me. If, if you yeah. look at a, a community, say you have a community of 100,000 people and, and you want 10% of the restaurant business to come to your doors, then you have to accept that 90% of the restaurant business can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the business can hate you, and that's, that's really quite okay if they don't like you. In fact, it might even be better. You know, you wonder <laughs> if, if people are choosing not to come to your business because they haven't heard of you or because they have. Yeah. Um, it's almost better if they've heard of you and decided not to come. If 10% do, you're probably the busiest restaurant in town. Yeah, there was a um, – I went to the uh, University of Kansas, and there was a restaurant in Lawrence, Kansas that uh, was called the Red Lion Inn, and it was run by this – old grouchy guy and if you went in there and didn't order the special it didn't matter what was on the menu <laughs> if you went in there and you didn't order the special he'd yell at you say you're not one of my regulars get out of here um and, and and consequently people lined up 
you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're part of a very special club at that point, right? Right, exactly. Um, another one that I'd, uh, I'd love to pick on is, uh, and it's the title of a chapter, The Power of Incomplete. Um, and, and, you know, go ahead and, and, and kind of give your Led Zeppelin example, and then we can talk a little bit about, you know, how somebody might, you know, how that might work for a business. Sure. We, Led Zeppelin released their most popular album without ever putting their name or the title of the album on the cover. It was just a graphic picture. And uh, the Beatles did something similar with the White Album. Mm-hmm. Both Zeppelin IV and the White Album uh, weren't ever called Zeppelin IV and the White Album. Those right. were names that the fans gave right. to the albums in order to differentiate them from Zeppelin III and, and Revolver. So the Beatles and, and Zeppelin did that. You know, creating a little bit of mystery around their brand. We're we're very guilty in in especially in small business of trying to tell the whole story in our yeah. marketing piece. Trying to just you know uh, feed people from a fire hose uh, with all the things we do. When there's a, there's there's a lot to be said for for a little bit of white space, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of incomplete uh, surrounding a brand. You know, but again, though, I mean, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? I mean, imagine a graphic designer comes to you and says, here's your new logo. And says, don't have my name on it. You know, right. <laughs> well, right. I can't do that. I mean, obviously, Starbucks, you know, removed their name from the logo. But don't you sort of earn that right? I mean, isn't it tough to just, I mean, you know, at what point can you start doing that? Well, I think it depends on how far you want to go. Certainly, Starbucks can earn the right of creating a graphic instead of a logo. The Nike swoosh is at that point. Right. The Apple logo's there. But if you look at it maybe um, on a small business perspective, I, I dealt with a, a car dealer who was, who was bombarding people in his commercials. He would start the 60-second commercial with, uh, you know, the fact that they had subcompact cars on sale, and then he'd go into financing, and then, mm. and then he'd talk about used cars, and then the trade-ins. And by the end of it, I didn't know what the commercial was for. Well, and don't forget so, the 12 seconds of legal disclaimers that he had to put in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was a big mess. And so what we tried to do was we started leaving things out. We started, we started paring things down to the point where the commercial had a central message, a style, a feel to it. And it wasn't all this information. And the more you left out, you know, the more things he left out, the more he sold. The more, you know, if, if he did a commercial just about how wonderful it is to have a subcompact car that can go everywhere on a gallon of gas, uh, those cars sold. But if he did a commercial that mentioned them and 10 other things, nothing sold. Yeah. So it, it really is about, about paring things down and, and focusing things and being, being unafraid to leave things out. Now, as your brand gets bigger and you get well more well known, you can start to to take you know new approaches to that, like like Starbucks and Nike and and those brands have with with leaving a bit of mystery to it. Yeah, and I think that's a great example too of another you know problem with small business. Typically, is I mean that car dealer probably was doing that ad that way because. Well, heck, everybody else does it that way. <laughs> yeah, which is the number one reason <laughs> not to do it that way. Right. So you have an equation, a uh, branding equation, that, uh, and we're, we're about the, at, the, at the end of our time uh, talking with Steve Jones, uh, brand like a rock star. Um, and, and I'd love it if you could uh, kind of outline that. So I'll, I'll set the table, and then you can explain it. So demand plus scarcity equals value. It's, it's a simple supply and demand equation applied to branding. Again, we... we we want everybody to be happy. We want everybody to be satisfied when they come to the table. So the examples I use in the book are our comparison of Led Zeppelin and The Who, who both had prominent members pass away, but they went different ways. Led Zeppelin broke up, and The Who found new members and kept touring. When, when The Who goes on tour now, they sell most of their shows out, but they don't play the biggest venues in the world, and it's not a huge event. 
But when Led Zeppelin got back together in 2007, they broke records for ticket demand. They crashed servers when 20 million people tried to get tickets to one concert. That's the idea of making your brand a little bit scarce. Um, Nothing says this is a great place to go, like a 15 or 20 minute wait on a Friday evening at a restaurant. Yeah. But but nothing is more uh, uncomfortable than walking in and asking for a table for six on a Friday evening and being immediately seated and and you start to wonder why am I here why is nobody else here yeah. so or, if you're or, able or worse, to worse they make you wait fifteen minutes and then seat you because um, yeah, yeah, nobody's there <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's 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 uh, it's again it's a courageous move to say I'm going to keep supply a little bit below yeah. demand. Yeah. But Nintendo's used it with the Wii to great success. I'm sure there's a country somewhere who would have dedicated their entire resources to making more Wiis a couple of years ago when they came out. But Nintendo's smart enough to know by keeping demand a little bit below supply, uh, by keeping it a little bit scarce, the perceived value of the product goes up, and the Wii was able to hold its value longer at at sticker price than any other gaming console out there. Well, and I, I mean. See examples of it online all the time too. I mean, you know, this this product we only have room for a hundred people, um, right? You know, in this yeah. membership program or something. So I, I think people understand that the pull of that scarcity uh, uh, certainly gets people to act uh, quicker, if if not ultimately just get them to act. So let's let's end uh, up with you know I would probably consider myself of all the folks that you talk to. I'm 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 a big Grateful Dead fan, although I I must admit I'm. I keep going back to uh, American Beauty and Working Man's Dead, um, uh-huh. you know that that era um, yeah. with of your music. But uh, I've a long time probably I would probably be called a parrot head probably uh, um, you know more more than anything else in uh, in the group of folks that you covered. So so what uh, let's let's end today with uh, uh, what does Jimmy Buffett teach us? Well, I'm glad you you decided to end with that because I think it's probably one of the most important things to take away from from the idea of branding like a rock star is you are giving your customers an experience. You're not selling them a product. You're not selling them a service. You're selling them an experience. And Jimmy Buffett does that. He's mm-hmm. he's recorded lots of songs, but people don't go to his shows to hear Margaritaville or, or one particular harbor one more time. We go to his shows because it's an experience to be there and to, to see it and to live like a beach bum for a few hours, to suspend reality and have nothing to care about except finding your last shake or assault. And, and so your customers come into your store or they, or they purchase your service. What is it there? What question emotionally are you answering? What are you making them feel? It, it's the comparison between buying a drill bit and hanging up a picture to make your house look better. You know, you're selling, you're selling the result, not, not the product itself. Yeah, I, I think that, that you, you really you know, hit that. But I think that, that the way to kind of talk about that, that that I think maybe is applicable for the small business, and I think Jimmy Buffett transports people. Um, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that may be the mindset that, that when you start looking at, okay, what are the little things we could do, that might be the mindset to try to apply. Sure. If you're a lawyer, uh, maybe it's making me feel safe. Right. If you're an insurance agent, similar thing. If you're a real estate agent, you're helping me. You're helping me with the security of knowing I've made a wise decision that this house won't fall apart in six months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, great. Uh, I really enjoyed this. We really enjoyed the book, Steve. Uh, Brand like a rock star. Um, certainly, uh, it, you know, I think music is the universal language, so it's certainly a way to uh, apply, you know, that universal language to uh, the business of building a brand. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm a big fan of, of Duct Tape Marketing, and I appreciate the chance to be part of the show. All right. Take care.